God's grace and God's mercy and God's peace be given to you. And they are through our Lord and our Savior Jesus. We're going to look at today's New Testament lesson. I'd like to especially just lift up these words. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our strength and our rock, our redeemer. Amen. Well, this morning, as Karen and I went on our walk, I asked Karen this question. I said, what are you really good at? What are you really good at? What's one thing that, that you're just fishing? Dwayne? What's one thing that you're really good at? Julie, keeping this place going. Oh my, yeah. Have you got your answers to what you're really good at? Suppose we were asked the Apostle Paul that question. What are you really good at? I think you might be surprised at his answer. We have his answer. It's, it's written in the Bible. It's in front of you today. Do you know what Paul would say? What he was really good at? He was really good at sinning. That's what he was really good at. He says, I am the worst of sinners. That means if there was a contest as amongst sinners, who would finish in first place? Paul would. It's kind of a weird way of saying I'm really good at sinning, but that's exactly what those words mean, isn't it? I am the worst of sinners. Is that anything you've ever thought of yourself? Yeah, sometimes I think we do. Sometimes. But I think we live in a society in a day and age where we're taught to kind of minimize that. Paul doesn't do that. I am the worst. If, if there's one thing I'm really good at, it's sinning. Which is ironic, then, that a just and holy God would choose him to come and be the Apostle Paul and write more than half of the New Testament. What's with that? How can a holy God, why? What's his because? What was the because behind God choosing the worst of sinners, the guy who was the, the absolute best at sinning, to be his poster child, in a sense? You know, it, this is not rocket science, but I have come to discover over the years of ministry that typically somebody always has a reason for doing what they did in the way that they did it. There's, there's always a reason why. That explains why they did what they did in the way that they did. So why did God do what he did in the way he did, taking the guy who was best at sinning and making him into his poster child? Well, it's because this is just who God is. 
It was to display the kind of God he is, to display the patience of God, to display the unconditional love of God, to display the forgiveness of God in Jesus Christ. This was, this was just God being God. You heard Jesus in today's gospel lesson. What was that gospel lesson all about? Seeking the lost, rejoicing in finding the lost. The ones who are really good at getting lost, those are the ones that God goes after. That's God. That's his love. And what better way for God to display that love than to take the guy who is the absolute best at sinning and make him his child. Wow. That's God's because. Because his love is unconditional. Because he wanted you and me. Because some of you, you did shake your heads in agreement with the idea of being the best of sinners. No, the worst of sinners, right? That you may have doubts about whether or not God can love you. And so here's God's poster child, the Apostle Paul, the absolute worst of sinners, the guy who is best at sinning. And if you have any doubts whether or not God's love can reach you and God's love includes you and you are forgiven by God's love and his love for you is unconditional and, and he, you are his precious child, just look at the poster child, Paul. And let this truth erase any doubts you may have in your mind. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Each one of us can say that. And that's the truth, isn't it? And that truth becomes our because. This week I'm going to start teaching the confirmation class. A couple years ago I was teaching the seventh grade confirmation class at Holy Cross Lutheran Church. And as I'm going to begin this year with the seventh grade and eighth grade, we're going to begin with prayer. And I'm going to encourage the kids to keep a prayer journal. And so a couple of years ago as I was doing that with the seventh graders at Holy Cross, I figured I better practice what I'm preaching to them. And so I was keeping a prayer journal. And I want to share with you uh, uh, an entry into that prayer journal that I, that I wrote, and this is just shortly into the class. And I like, to pick, I like to pick out one word prayers for kids, okay? And for lots of people. But here's what I wrote in my prayer journal. The word for each of them today is because. As they go to school, that the way they choose to live and act is shaped by their faith in Christ. He is there because. The reason why they do what they do the way they do. I do it this way. I live this way. I treat others this way. I am this way as a student and young adult because of Christ. That was my prayer for them. That's my prayer for you, that you are because of Jesus. That in your marriage, you are how you are in your marriage because of Jesus. You treat your spouse the way you treat your spouse because of Jesus. As parents, you are who you are and what you do because of Jesus. You raise your kids, you treat your kids because of 
Jesus in a way that reflects it's because of him that I'm parenting this way. As you teach kids in school, as you are a member of this community, as you are a member of this congregation, as you go to your job, as you live out retired life, that the way you do it, you do it because of Christ. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.